You're listening to an IOE podcast. Powered by UCL Minds. Welcome to the UCF staff room. I'm Elaine Long. And I am Mark Quinn. We are programme leaders for the UCL Early Career Teacher Development Programme. Why are we in the staff room? We are here because this is where the best professional learning conversations always take place. This is where problems can be aired bluntly and where solutions can be explored. Over the course of this series, we will hear the voices of different colleagues as they come into the ECF staff room. We will hear from early career teachers themselves and from the mentors and induction tutors who support them. We will talk about all things ECF, the challenges and the joys. So why don't you enjoy a coffee with us, perhaps even grab a biscuit and sit down to half an hour of ECF staff room chat. Uh, welcome to the ECF staff room. Uh, Saika Zainab and Tessa Blair and uh, Lara Boyer. We are actually in the Mulberry and Bigland Green Centre dressing room. So if this sounds a bit different, that's why. Uh, we are part of, we're all, all of these people, Tessa and Lara and Saika, are all part of the East London Teaching School Hub. And But we're still in the staff room. You know, we're, we're, we've got traditions in our staff room, and one of the traditions is that we offer you a nice drink, coffee, a tea, whatever else you might want. So let's go around the room. What would you like, Saika? Oh, coffee, please. Black, no sugar. That's the best way. The tea for me, please. What, what with? Just a bit of milk. Oh, that's Just a touch of milk. That's disgusting. <laughs> that's, that's impossible to drink that. Tessa? Coffee and milk, please. And I definitely have a biscuit. Well, and you are you offering the biscuits? We've got. I have brought some biscuits with me. Well, we'll have some of those. I know there were yeah. some nice croissants we didn't eat at lunchtime, so we can go back for those as well. So we're already excited about you being here, mainly because you bought biscuits for us, so we can tell you're going to be good guests already. But we know our listeners are going to be wondering about why we're in the staff room together, and they'll want to know a bit about you and what an average day is like for you. So, Saika, could we start with you, please? So my name is Saika Zainab, as Mark has said. Um, I am an assistant head teacher at um, an inner London girls' school, Central Foundation Girls. Um, my day is hectic. I will, um, so I am an induction lead. Um, I lead on the ITT, so it's dealing with ECTs, dealing with mentors, dealing with students, uh, dealing with staff, with different things. So my day is never the same. I have to say it's always there's always something new and something exciting um yeah that's me so that explains why you might need to drink so much coffee i think because you're wearing so many different hats lara could you introduce yourself for the listeners please yes so i'm lara and i work at marbury academy shoreditch where i am uh, i'm an assistant head teacher and i am responsible for everything to do with teacher training and that also includes the um early teacher induction program and um, I'm also uh, in charge of the health system there, so uh, yeah. a pastoral lead there. And uh, I do lots of other things too, uh, as one does as a member of SLT. And uh, my day is very busy. Uh, uh, lots of uh, meetings, observations as well, uh, feedback to uh, colleagues. I teach as well, duties. I mean, I wouldn't want to say too much. I wouldn't want to put anyone off. But 
it is incredibly rewarding and it's nice to have get to know our students and hear you know hear about them uh, and see them in events as well and enjoying their time so there are lots of positives to what can be an incredibly busy day thank you and we're really grateful that you've managed to make some time for us in in that busy day um tessa can you tell us a bit about your role please hi so i'm tessa blair i'm the deputy director of the east london teaching school hub and I lead the strands around initial teacher education, the early career framework and appropriate body services. So really exciting role in terms of thinking about that early career uh, teacher phase, um, really important uh, part of a teacher's career. And it's an exciting role because it's I'm working at a scale I've never worked at before. So I'm used to having a sort of role of Psycho and Lara describing where you might be supporting professional learning across a school or a small trust of schools. And now I find myself working with, you know, hundreds of schools and across a region. Um, and that, that gives me brilliant opportunities each day to, to learn about their context and the things that are affecting um, their experiences within schools. So talking to different school leaders and, of course, the ECT and mentor participants, the, the range of facilitators we've got. We have 29 different school leader facilitators on our ECF programme. Saika and Lara omitted to say that's also part of their, their day yeah. job as well. Really <laughs> pleased that uh, Saika's a mentor facilitator on the ECF programme. I do love and it. Lara's um, an EC ECT facilitator. Um, and yeah, they, they bring so much to the programme and that's we've really ensured that our programme is rooted in that local expertise and grounded in the practice of working in East London schools. Thank you. And we're really excited about this podcast as well because we've got every level involved in the ECS. So that's quite interesting because we've got school level, delivery partner level and lead provider level as yeah. well. And we're here because you organised this conference for your induction tutors today, HESA. So yeah. uh, interested to know what you were hoping to get out of the conference, how you yeah. settled on the themes mm -hmm. of today's conference. Yeah. So this came last year, this is our second induction tutor forum, and it came out of a desire to really think about how could we have a real impact in terms of ensuring the programme um, achieved the intentions we all, you know, it sets out in terms of the policy intentions, and who are the people that were really important. And initially, you know, we toyed with like, head teachers, we need to get the head teachers in the room, they're the people. And then we said, no, it needs to be the mentors in the room. And then more and more and more as I went through that first year of the programme, really became clear to me how fundamental induction tutors were as the leaders of professional learning in the school and you know really ensuring that quality mentoring is happening that the ECT's experience on a day-to-day -day basis is um, the best it can be connecting them with colleagues within the school so that they see themselves as part of a genuine culture of professional learning um, and actually it was those colleagues that we needed to build relationships with we need to understand um, what you know the factors that are affecting um, the implementation of the program at that school level and ensure that they could do the best job they could um, in making this happen at, at a school level. Um, so our intentions really were to bring together um, those induction tutors as really key people in terms of the, the, the program success and give an opportunity for, for learning within that group. We're really lucky in Tower Hamlets and Hackney we've got a fantastic school cultures lots of um, high performing schools, a real commitment to quality professional learning. And so it's about tapping into that expertise in those schools and sharing it um, because people found solutions. You know, in that first year, it wasn't ideal conditions for implementation. No. There was no lead in time. We're in the context of a pandemic. Yeah. Induction teachers and in schools had to go with it. They had to find solutions. And, you know, as a profession, that's what we do. We find solutions. We make things happen. And we wanted to learn you know, what had schools done 
to, to support the implementation of the ECF in their schools that was having an impact, ensure that every induction tutor had the guidance they needed to be able to, um, to, to have their role in schools, but also to see themselves as important people in the implementation and in the leadership of the programme at a school level and beyond, you know, and so it's about creating that professional community of induction tutors um, and sort of supporting them and tapping into their experiences. Um, and the theme was started off last year was really around implementation and um, drawing on obviously the EF guidance and sort mm. of the, the lack of leading, the lack of prepare time actually and thinking about how do we prepare for year two. And we've kept with that theme because I think it is really important as we scale up to cohort three was, you know, it's a process, not an event um, implementation. But also we tagged in the theme this year around well-being and retention, going back to those original policy intentions of the ECF, which I think is really key that we've come mindful of what we're actually trying to achieve through yeah. all of this. Um, and also trying to take on, to be honest, tackle um at, head on some of the misconceptions around the ECF and the limitations. So a theme last year was around agency and how can we show the ECF uh, supports agency for ACTs and this year is around wellbeing and retention because I want everyone on our programme to see the flexibilities available. I really wanted to showcase that the fantastic wellbeing charter that, that UCL have created um, because my concerns are that if schools don't understand the opportunities for flexibility, contextualisation and, and make it work at a school level, and that requires those induction teachers to do that, people will opt out of this and they will go to school-based routes or core induction programme routes um, and will lose some of the impact we could have. So it was around, um, if I'm very honest, I thought this time this year we'd have more schools opting out of our programme, I thought by this point. Some schools will be saying, oh, we've been through two years. We can do this ourselves now. We haven't had a single school tell us that that's the case. Um, but I think we do need to always be mindful of we've got to um, continue to talk about the benefits of this and the impact it can have in terms of those priorities. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think we might all have assumed that there might be that, yeah. that drift of schools away from a full induction programme, a facilitated programme to one yeah. that they can manage more themselves. And in a way, that might be a healthy sign for some of the schools yeah. which have the capacity for that. Mm -hmm. But but though, though you set up very ambitious targets for yourself for today's mm -hmm. uh, conference, and of course, Lara and Saika, you are not only facilitators, you're also induction tutors mm -hmm. in your school. So you're the target audience today, mm -hmm. partly. So, so what what did you did you um did you get out of today what Tessa hoped you'd get out of today? What were your main takeaways, Laura? You can go first. Yeah, I think um I think we were in a really privileged uh, position. I, I'm speaking on behalf of myself and others who were leading, for instance, the round um, table activities where we were sharing what has and and will support successful implementation of the ECT induction program, and um. Even from leading those, those those discussions, I found that I was learning from others as well. And so I think what I took away from it is that it doesn't matter how experienced you are, we can all learn and continue to learn from each other. And that was really powerful. Yeah. Saika? You know, I, I loved the conference today. I really, one of the things that um, Tessa talks about the Sunday Teacher School Hub is about is collegiality and working with our peers and learning from our peers. Um, and I think it gave us that real opportunity to talk to one another about opportunities within the ECF, um, challenges within the ECF and how we would overcome them and have real conversations with each other and actually um, have those very, very clear messages because that was one of the key themes around what are, what are 
what our core beliefs when we're delivering the ECF, what do what are we saying? How are we communicating that within our schools to other ECTs, to other people about what, what the ECF is about? Do we believe in it as individuals? Or are we just taking it on as, a, as oh, you know, we have to do this? And is that in our messaging? Um, because often your messaging is is what your self-beliefs yeah. say that it is. And, 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 you know, if you don't believe in something properly, your messaging is going to be quite negative. Um, and I, and I, I took that on board um, last year. There was something that was said in one of the MPQTL um, briefings last year, and I took that on board and took that away to the school with me. And I, and I did start to look at the ECF in a, in a lot more detail um, and think about, well, what are my messages that I want my ECTs to have about this. I want them to ignore um, all of the, the things that the media are communicating, all of the negativity that other schools breed. And I want them to look at this as an opportunity. Um, I liked um, some of the things that was said, you know, the programme is a guidebook, not a rule book. And I'm going to use that phrase, I think. I did love the wellbeing charter. I'm going to I'm going to laminate it and put it in all of all of the ECT offices because I think it gets lost in the messages. Yeah. Um, and they need to see we we have their wellbeing at the heart of this. Mm. It is a challenging programme, but if it wasn't challenging, um, we wouldn't be getting um we wouldn't be getting the professionals that we want to come into the profession. That's the whole point of having a challenging program. We want to attract professionals into this yeah. um, into this profession, and we want them to come in and feel intellectual curiosity and 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 want to engage with the research and become innovative. And this gives them the opportunity to do that. And I think that messaging has got lost. And as as professionals, as induction leads, we're take, going away from today. We're going to be reiterating those messages again and saying those things how many times can I say messages um but you know that that's one of the key things um and just talking to other induction leads was really really positive I really enjoyed that I think it's really important isn't it to remember we talk a lot about the communities that we put our ECTs in mm. and put our mentors in but actually I think what was um interesting today is that we've got induction tutors who are seeing themselves as yeah. part of that community as well and many of them talked about how the other colleagues in their school are important to this as well. So if you're an ECT yeah. working in a department, it's not just your mentor you need to be learning mm. from, learning with. It's the other teachers, you know, on, along the same corridor mm. that you want to. to I take that from. on board yeah. completely because I, I was sitting there last year and Tessa was and this was the first time I was sitting there um, with this induction forum. And Tessa was talking about taking all of these things back to your governors, back to the teachers and, and back to the SLT. And I thought, well, I, that's what I need to do. Nobody in my school knows what this is about. Mm. I have to educate them. I have to tell them. And the first thing I did when I went back is I said to my head teacher, can I have a governor's morning and invite the governors in and get and speak to them about ITT and the changes and the impact that this will have and get them to speak to my ECTs, get them to speak to my mentors. Because actually, once they see the power of what we're trying to achieve here and how this will help support us and what we need to put into place, it will actually help. Um, and I think that was a really powerful, powerful time. And then I went and I actually got them to do a self-study from the ECF and then I repeated that with my SLT team so I introduced the the um, ITT program and the ECF program and I made them read one of the um, self-studies and I said right this is one of the ones that they're engaging with let me know your thoughts and they, and and it was like wow this is the level of things that they're engaging with so we need to have different expectations we need to think differently and it was really 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 powerful Mm. And I thought, oh, well, this, and I took that I, while I was sitting there. That was the spark. Mm. And I've got other sparks that I've taken from this. This time's one that I'm going to start mm. off in September. But I think these things are important. These conferences are really important to have that.
One thing you talked about, both of you actually, was the contribution around that relational resilience. I think yeah. that really reinforced that, the importance of seeing yourself as part of that community. And we want our ECTs to be nested, don't we, in really positive, powerful, professional communities. And their mentors are part of that, the induction tutors are part of that. But their role in some ways is to create those networks that that will last beyond the ECF programme. So they've got two years, which is great, but we want them to be set up, don't we, for continuous professional learning. And that's often informal and it's often colleague to colleague peer learning um, and rather than seeing themselves as as isolated. So it's it's great that people sort of see that, I think. Saika, I was also lucky enough to be sat on a table with you today where you were <laughs> discussing with other induction tutors what you do to support mentors' understanding of, of the ECF in your school. And I wondered if you could just talk to that a bit, because that, that was one of my sparks as well. So I, um, I last year, I'm going back to last year again, because when I was sitting there, I was thinking, oh my God, my role as an induction lead is actually to support my mentors as well. Mm. Um, it's not just my ECTs, because I know when, when I did the old framework, it was very much about EC, um, the NQTs, getting them passed, getting their folders of evidence, moving towards those final standards. And, and there is a difference in emphasis with the ECF framework. We have that whole um, focus on mentor development, and I and I thought, oh, I'm not doing that. And much like some of the 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 teachers that were the induction leads that were in the program today, oh, we're not doing that. And I thought, no, that has to change. Um, so I looked at the program just to familiarise myself with it, a module program, um, and did did something that I'd seen Tessa do in one of the induction droppings, which is go through and decode the program and then I had a mentor drop-ins which I organised and decoded um, the program with them and said well what opportunities do we have where are the struggles going to be how can we have this in alignment with what you're doing um, I also asked them to log their mentor meetings um, and I can see what standards they're working on and any themes that are emerging in terms of their development or the ECT's development I can then pick on and, and say right we need to look at um, sequencing in lessons or we need to look at behaviour patterns and I can support them that way so um, it's about looking at working with the ECF and, and the training and seeing how we can support them and what we can do but being mindful of time so often I have to bribe them with like cake and and um, <laughs> biscuits and coffee and tea but it's an opportunity for all mentors to sit together but also I know when their mental meetings are happening because I've asked them to log it and I know it sounds like I'm monitoring a lot and it's not about that it is about support it is about knowing when their mental meetings are and just dropping in and saying hi how's it going how's it all going you know da, 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 da. I, I noticed on your mentor notes blah 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 so I'm engaging with the conversation I'm part of that that journey with them and I think sometimes they feel a bit more empowered or you know it's not just us on our own because it it what originally it was a bit isolating because it was just the mentor and the mentee and they felt like it was just them going through this process and as the induction lead I was just coming in with my tick board right. and doing my observations and I was, I was like no I'm not going to do that but also looking at the mentor logs looking at um observations listening to mentors having those drop-ins it gave me an idea of um well these mentor and mentees are quite they're quite strong in their relationship this mentor and mentee need a bit of development let's pair them together and and help them to develop together so having um like four of them in a group having holding group mentor sessions so they can learn from each other and, and they can develop ideas 
um, because we need to invest in them. It's the mentors. They're, they're the cogs. They're the things that, that help everything to happen. And, and the ECTs are where the magic happens. So it's really important that we invest in them. And that's what I took away. And actually, if I could just add to that, something that we introduced about a year ago at Marbury Academy Shoreditch in recognition of the, the role of the mentor and their importance is uh, we, we've done that through performance management which is quite oh, yeah. unique. Um, so that's something that, that we've done. But very much like you said, you know, uh, for us, it's a, a lot of it is around communication. Uh, so before the end of the year, I meet with the mentors who I know will be mentoring uh, ECTs the following year, those who are staying with us. And, you know, I give them the background, um, give them an introduction to, to the, the induction programme in terms of, you know, what does it look like for the ECT, but also what does it look like for them? And I do the same thing with our new ECTs uh, who are joining the school, for instance, when they come to the um, induction day, I will do a presentation to them just so that they can see what it looks like. Um, and then again, I meet them again in, in September. And again, we go through this again. And it's just sort of reinforcing, embedding uh, what the programme looks like, what they're going to get out of it. Um, but uh, for me, it's very that the success for me has been around communication. Uh, it's been key. And and the other thing that we do as induction leads is we meet with our ECTs termly. Yeah before we we do the progress reviews or we complete the reports and that time has been absolutely crucial really because while you're meeting the ECT and giving them a voice because it's important they have a voice in this program too and talk about you know how they're doing and and uh uh, but it's also you're finding out about their entitlements as well and, and you're asking them about how the mental meeting's going and Sometimes it's through that conversation that you are picking yeah. up on perhaps the odd mental meeting has been missed. Um, and it, it, you need though that time. And, and it's from there that then you would be able to sort of speak to the mentor and, and kind of, you know, find out what's going on. And very often it's something very simple, but it's having that opportunity to speak to the ECT. Uh, which is very important. And the mentors, I mean, we talk to each other all the time. We're always having informal conversations. I get them involved in observations because I think they know their ECT really well. They have that knowledge and understanding of their ECT. So it's really good for them to be part of that. And it's really good CPD for them as well mm -hmm. to be in the room as well and observing. So it, it's. I think it's all about communication. And I think we're in a really fortunate position, Saika and I, uh, because we're members of SRT, we're able to raise awareness around the programme, around the table. Uh, and so for us, that's a real advantage. Yeah, I agree. Um, as a member of SRT, I think it's a real advantage because it's an opportunity to say, um, I'd like SRT line managers to talk to the heads of faculty and find out how their mentors are doing if any support is needed can that be fed back to me via this table okay. so actually what you're doing is you're producing you're creating a community around the ect and the mentor to support them um and it is it is very very powerful because everyone then feels like they're involved and it takes away this whole i'm the mentor it's all on my shoulder workload it's not it's about um, making sure things are happening that are supposed to be happening, but making sure that we're offering the right support when it's needed and that they're not alone. They are part of our school community and we have a responsibility to them. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. And I think, sorry, I think that the um, when we have the one-to-ones, I have check-ins in the first half term with all of my ECTs. I think they're really important. And I have, I have the one-hour meetings as well. And I, I really, really have enjoyed sitting down with the ECTs, not just talking through teaching standards, but saying, OK, well, what have you done here? What have you done? How did this develop you? What would you like to do? Is there anything you'd like to see? And making those opportunities available, um, I, I think those and it, it's very powerful to have that transparency because it builds trust. 
uh, which is important on the programme, I think. That's really interesting. What I can hear from both of you is just speaking, there's a real sense of pride mm. and enjoyment mm. in what you yeah. do, because actually it's that excitement of developing others and seeing the impact. And also there's a real danger, I think, as an induction tutor in a, in a school, that your to-do list could just mm. be huge. Because let's be honest, the, the mechanics of it and all the different mm. portals and registering feels like quite a lot but it sounds like what you've quite skillfully done is made it part of the day-to-day -day culture of the school so mm -hmm. everyone's involved and you're very humble about that but but that will have taken a huge amount of proactive um effort from you and i think that advice is very useful for for other induction tutors listening um i'm going to move the topic on a little bit because when we were having lunch, we were lucky enough to see and look through lots of the um, practitioner inquiries on the wall and, and the, the ECT's presentations of those. That was really exciting and confirmed for us what we already know, that practitioner inquiry can have a huge impact on ECTs in schools and it's professional learning activity that they really enjoy and adds to their, their sense of valuing professional learning and adds to their sense of self-efficacy and it's really nice when they can share that with, with other uh, colleagues in their school. Mentors obviously play a huge role in that. And the mental meetings during their practitioner inquiry are really important to make sure they're on the right track. Because although they're given a great deal of autonomy in this, they still need that challenge. Um, and that level of direction. Can, can you give us any advice on how induction tutors can approach that in schools to make sure that those mental meetings are happening well? I think in the first instance, it's important for you as an induction tutor to get your head around what the inquiry, what the inquiry project should look like. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say it was one of my most enjoyable parts of the ECF. I mean, all the other parts of the ECF are good fun, but, <laughs> but the inquiry project and just watching the mentors and the mentees go through it that was on another level. It was they were engaging in professional learning. They were going to the research, and then they were analysing their own practice. And it was one key area of their practice that they were looking at. And um, at first, it was this overwhelming. Oh my god, I don't know what to do. So I, I ran a workshop for them with them to talk about. Well, these are the different types of inquiry. This is what what is expected. Um, to give them that time to reflect and think, and then a, a, a joint one with. Um, their mentors to, to try and get to grips with what is it that they're looking at? What is it that we can actually achieve in this time? Um, and it was really interesting to see because the mentors became invested in the inquiry project and organically they started to do their own inquiry projects alongside their mentors. So they were looking at similar things together. Um, it's got that genuine coping yeah. inquiry. You talk about it in terms of the mentoring model, don't you? Uh, Educative mentoring. Yeah. And it was, it's, it was interesting to see mm. that. And I was thinking, oh, my word, this is this is actually real. Mm. I don't you know. say it's organic, but the, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's no. the quite right word because, because OK, it might be organic, but yeah. you have to lay the soil. In the you have to place, facilitate right? it. You're right. Yeah. So, so can you shed any light on that? What, okay. what is it you're creating so that that kind of organic growth can take place? So you give them you you talk about coming up with the inquiry question and making sure it's feasible and you do that together yeah. um, as a as a mentor mentee and then you support as an induction lead uh, you help them develop that you help them tweak that you then talk to them about what support is needed but you drop into their meetings to help to say well do you need to do some student voice do you need to go and look at other subjects do you, what what is it that you need in order to develop this um, and you you create time within the year um, 
because they're meeting their ECTs every two weeks. So you, you look at the cycle and you think, when can I meet them together um, as a group right. so we can share their ideas and you can bounce off each other? These are the challenges I'm having. My ECT question, my inquiry question has failed. OK, it's OK to fail. Mm. You can tweak it slightly or you can change it if it's not the right question. Um, and often... I think that was why the first two cycles were powerful, because getting the question right was really important. Yeah. What is the inquiry? And I, I remember one of my ECTs, he said to me, I failed. And I said, no, we don't fail. It's research. We don't fail. We learn from it. What is it that's gone wrong? Right now, how can we change it in order for you to, to see success and take something away with it? And then he went away second time round, tweaked it, tweaked it again. And then the third question was actually the one that he was like, this is actually what I wanted. This is what I wanted to see. I just couldn't get it right the first time. And and it was interesting. It was really good for them to do the two half cycles mm. in order to be prepared to do the full cycle the third time. Right, just so the people under understand. Oh, sorry. About, so the, yeah. the two half cycles are about the exploratory yeah. inquiries that we do. Developing the question and then yeah. um, doing doing some research. That's right. Yeah. So in the first two modules of the of the second yeah. year, we do those two short inquiries and then the longer inquiry, which we call an exploratory inquiry. Which is where you're saying your colleague actually found yeah. found their feet with that yeah. one. The evaluative. The evaluative. evaluative. What did I call it? Did I get it wrong? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we spent hours. No. <laughs> 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 okay. yeah, excellent, excellent. Oh, well, well tutored there. So, <laughs> and and um, and so your mentors were, were doing the inquiries alongside them as yeah. well, and and then you were sharing the inquiries. Oh, so this is really really good. Um, we we set up a formal share. So we had the LP team, we had a deputy head, we had myself. Um, and then the mentors decided that they wanted to come to to support their ECTs, but also to um, drop in um, with their ideas at the end of when we were having part of our questions. Um, and I invited the ECT ones to come and see what the, what the ECT twos were doing. So it, it really, it was a, a room full of people and it was only supposed to be a few. And then um, they were nervous, but it, it really validated that what they were doing was important. And then and the LP team was so struck, they felt so inspired by what they were seeing and and um, how these these ECTs had really taken the inquiry question seriously and found something to change their practice moving forward and how it was influencing um, moving into the department. So um, our maths teacher looked at how effective are retrieval questions in improving student grades and had done a whole load of research, um, had told his, had taken it to his faculty meetings and now they're going to um, cascade that out to the whole department. So he can, he can instantly see, oh, this is important. But as part of his inquiry at the end, when he was evaluating, he said, next year, I'm going to look at this, this and this. And I thought that's interesting because you don't have to do an inquiry question next year, but it was their own um, need to think okay actually this is a good way of doing it when I move forward I'm going to tweak this in my practice and tweak this in my practice and then we shared um, the LP team then shared their inquiry questions and what they'd taken from it in a, a staff forum so in a staff briefing and congratulated them openly because we are about celebrating what our what our ECTs are doing and, it, and raising the profile of it and and we did frame it under the ECF so this is what the ECF is for and it's about that positive messaging as well and you know this is what our staff have achieved being part of the ECF you, you wouldn't get this anywhere else um, and, and I think that was really, I, I felt inspired. I remember sitting there thinking, oh, wow, this it's is amazing. Practitioners, though, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Learning from the but learning from teachers. Them. Yeah. 
I mean, we're thinking about how can we now look at what they've done and get them to lead on inquiry projects next year yeah. for others. Um, and I've asked for my own inquiry project for the ECT, for my own inquiry group for ECT2, so that I've got that extra time to invest in them with their mentors next year, because I didn't do that this year. And that's something that I've learned and I'm going to take forward. Um, but it, it's, it's evolving. And I, I think the more we do it, the more impact we see and we can showcase uh, the more schools will see the benefit of this. And, and this is what we want. We want staff who are professionally curious, who want to develop in their profession um, and want to make change happen. And we want them to be excited about the profession in the way that that we know that they can be. And I think this is the vehicle to do it with. That's my personal opinion. Mm. No, I, I think that's absolutely right. And, and as an induction tutor, you know, we have our role, which is to ensure that everyone's doing what they need to be doing and monitoring uh, the different aspects of the programme uh, that, the, that, you know, that the ECT is getting the diet that they should be getting. Um, but, you know, I, I what I do in my mental meetings, um, in my meetings with my ECT, especially in year two, I, I start asking about the inquiry, finding out how they're getting on with it. And you can really tell that, the you know, their mentors are invested in those inquiries, uh, really supporting them around those questions, guiding them when it comes to that, the evidence. And I think, you know, as a facilitator, we spend a lot of time talking about not sort of uh, trying to, well, we're always thinking about the load, the workload, mm. and, and encouraging our ECTs to use naturally occurring data, mm. and you know all these things, and and it's just so great to see that going on in those mental meetings from what the ECTs are telling me, and then what I also. Um, do is I um, particularly recently where I've asked my my ECTs, oh how how how's your presentation to your mentor gone, and and you know a few said oh yeah I'm presenting to the to the department, mm. and that's exactly what you want. Yeah. I mean that's why you know the conversations I've had informally, uh, you know I've had those conversations oh I must you know you must come and present, and and I have had a couple of um, ECTs present to our professional studies uh, a group which was fantastic. But what was so nice to see is that it was happening naturally, and that showed that that um that investment in the, the their ECT's uh, uh, inquiry and the fact that they're wanting to support their ECT. Uh, very often the mentor is also within the department. So there's so much that can be shared and, uh, you know, within the department and learn. And that's why, uh, you know, it's even more important for us to share it across to school as well. So, you know, that's something that we really support at Marbury Academy Shoreditch is that sharing. And I know it's something I mentioned at the very beginning, even for us as induction tutors, when we come to this event like today uh, that Tessie you organise it, you know, looking to sort of learn from others. And I think it's the same for ECTs, you know, the opportunity to learn from each other's inquiries and, and you know, ensure that we are uh, making progress within our own schools and, 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 you know, driving certain things through. And anyway, I could be talking about it for a long time, but I love the way you said that that was starting to happen naturally <laughs> yeah. as well, because when I come back to what we were talking about this morning about making something not just possible, but likely, yeah. it sounds like at both your schools, it's incredibly likely yeah. that ECTs are going to feel that passion about inquiring, incredibly likely that they're going to gain a great deal of satisfaction. So at your schools, it's not just possible it's likely, and that's because of the culture that that you've created as induction tutors. I think I'd say not just likely, but unavoidable. So they've been really part of that culture, but it goes beyond that, doesn't it? And I'm thinking about, you know, we've got with us two exceptional induction tutors who are invested in fantastic professional learning cultures, and I think it's worth recognising that not every school culture is like that, yeah. and the work we all have to do in, in recognising where our induction tutors are and some of the constraints that exist on their work. And I think that's why today is 
important because we can hear these fantastic models and people can be inspired a little bit intimidated but hopefully inspired mm -hmm. and, and take ideas but also recognize the impact they could have and the work that we can have so all that work you've done in terms of ensuring you know your head teachers the line managers phase leaders heads of department understand this and the seeing those positive messages is, is really important part of it isn't it in terms of sort of leveraging the impact and seeing yourselves as those leaders of teacher development and um, teacher educators in your own right and, and and I think that's really exciting because actually when we think about pathways professional learning we want our experienced teachers as well to recognise those those opportunities for their leadership development. Actually, that if you conceive yourself as you clearly do as leaders of teacher development, as as teacher educators in your own right, that's a professional pathway for you too. You, know, you don't necessarily need to be head of year or you know mm. progress deputy headship. We, we we want you both to be head teachers, but you know this is also important work too. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. But the school's invested in you as well. So I know, for example, yeah. Psych has, has quite a lot of leadership time directed to this, yeah. this work. Yeah. And Lara's obviously working with 25 ECTs next year. So they are in a very particular position. I think we need to sort of listeners who are maybe not in that context yeah. think about what are the little steps to And there's some action shooters and think you had some today who are doing yeah. this for the first time yes. or they might have just one ECT and they yes. didn't have one last year so they're not developing mm. habits of, of for you know or, or, or around leading induction or making the best out of a program because they've not had a chance to do that yeah and so yeah I think you're absolutely right to shine a light on those differences and that will mm. be recognized I think by other people listening to, to this podcast but one of the things I was saying earlier wasn't it about what we know about the importance of a pro-growth of professional growth culture in a school yeah. and that combina combination of that with a program such as ours can really make a difference mm. to um, the satisfaction of ECTs and their intentions to stay in teaching but I think I presented this professional growth culture as something pre-existing in the school mm. I think what we're hearing from Saika and mm. Lara and what we heard from others today mm. during conferences is that you can create that professional yes. growth mm. culture you know, it's not something that just has to pre-exist. You can mm. make that happen um, alongside a program such as this. I think that that's um, mm. important to to remember that as well, as tough mm. as it is. And I was going to say, Tessa, if you were thinking about those induction tutors, perhaps you aren't as lucky as Lara and aren't mm. as lucky as Saika having mm. the kind of opportunities that they have and mm. the experience that they have. Are, are there one or two things that you would want those less experienced or less lucky induction mm. tutors um, one or two bits of advice you'd give them? I think for, for me, at a very sort of basic level, it's about understanding the statutory induction guidance because right. actually that's a powerful lever yeah. for for professional learning. I mean, I know it sounds like it's it's about a minimum entitlement, but actually if we get those bits right and we see within there that, you know, a, a commitment to regular high quality mentoring, so that you need to ensure those mentors are supported and that they've, they have the capacity and expertise to have that role. Um, you've got that time to engage in the professional learning, um, you know, the mental meetings are within the school day that I think that that can be very powerful. So, you know, when I talk to um, it's often mentors, who, you know, say they, they don't have the time, they're not being supported at a school level yeah. to do this, perhaps because the induction tutor doesn't have um, they don't see themselves as being in that powerful position. They don't feel they've got agency to create the right conditions for mentoring actually the statutory induction guidance and the role of the appropriate body can be very powerful there. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that will become easier next year as we transition, obviously, to teaching school hubs who are often delivery partners, particularly within our region, to have that quality assurance role. Because where we have concerns about the mentoring not being there or the induction due to not having the support of the head teacher in their role, actually, we've, we can um, draw back on that. So that sounds negative. Um, I think there's, it's about a balance, isn't it? We've, we've created really, I think, hopefully positive professional conversations today to kind of inspire and share and create those networks and those um, communities where induction teachers can learn from each other and seek support, but also remembering that this is supported by by legislation and, yeah. and by an entitlement. Yeah, and I think that word entitlement is mm. exactly that. Uh, it is an entitlement mm. and that does mean that, that ECTs deserve it and mm. that is behind behind the, the programme mm. as well. We think they deserve this uh, programme of development. Hard to believe, but I know you two also wear different hats as well. So you do even more than just your induction tutor role. I know you're also facilitators um, on the programme as well. So thinking about your, your hat as a facilitator now, how would you support ECTs through practitioner inquiry in your facilitated sessions? So as a facilitator, uh, we support ICTs by reminding them of the inquiry process. I mean, that's part of the programme, which uh, Mark, you've uh, designed. Yeah. Uh, uh, what did you do it? And well. watched, watched, watched. <laughs> um, but I think what's really strong is that every beginning of every session, we go over what does the inquiry process look like so they have a really clear understanding of the different stages. We give them an opportunity as well to review where they're at in their, their inquiries. So every session, at least the last two modules, we have an opportunity at the beginning for them to sort of talk about what they've learned so much. And again, I think that's really important uh, to, their, um, to, to, to their learning. Um, uh, we look at um, aspects of the inquiry. I think I mentioned data collection earlier, um, you know, naturally occurring data, all sorts of things, that, again, would support them in, um, in their inquiry. Um, but I, I think Ultimately, it's the resources um, that allow us as facilitators to support this high quality practitioner inquiry. And so that's thanks to you, uh, Mark. <laughs> so there's national, and I think Psyche may find this more hard to answer because Psyche is working with year one um, mentors. So mm -hmm. actually hasn't come on to the onto the inquiry. But I think a lot of the things you've been talking about in terms of your support of mentors within school mm -hmm. would would tap into this. I think. Yeah, I think I've I've done a lot of work in school with mentors. Yes. Um, I did get excited when I got to introduce the um, year two inquiry mm. project at the last facilitator conference. Oh, of course. And then I think that was really nice because um, staff came up to me at the end and they said, oh, really, what did you do here? What did you do? We did this. We did this. And I was like, wow. Um, and a lot of them I, I saw today and they were like, oh, hi, do you recognise me? And I was like, yeah, what did you do here? So I think it is about and we shared contact details. So now we can we can talk to each other in, in different schools and, and find out what we're doing for inquiry projects and work together if we need to. Um, I think the key message is to make sure that the mentors feel empowered enough to support their ECTs and the ECTs are clear about what they're doing and to know that it's OK not to have a perfect question, mm. but it's a, a, a process and, and they have to go through the process. But actually, there is a long term benefit and they will take something from this. And I think that's important. Um, and to to know that the, the ECF is there to support them and they can dip into parts of the ECF. It's not they're not just going to go away and do a completely separate inquiry. They can. And I, I said this to my mentors and my mentee and the ECTs. I said, 
go back to the ECF, was there a particular aspect that particularly excited you? Was there something that engaged you? Or was there something that you weren't quite sure of? Um, is there something about your practice you want to change? Can you marry the two up um, and 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 use this opportunity to, to develop that? So it, it is quite, quite an interesting way of doing it. But I think you as the induction tutor need to know your staff, need to know the context and need to have a good understanding, unfortunately, of the ECF um, so that you can you can help support and direct them. But I mean, you do you do get a good idea once you start going through it with your mentors mm. and start going through it with the ECTs. You, I mean, I, I don't know it like Tessa knows it twice. Tessa can probably recite every every ECF part. Right. Um, and but it is it's really it's really quite quite um, well. It helps you develop as an individual and it helps you make links um, and it helps you to support them I think so it's quite inspirational. Also um, as a facilitator I mean I mentioned a lot of um, sort of supporting one another sharing reviewing but actually we need to challenge them and um, you know that's something that um, that really came to light in fact when you came to see us Mark you came to to observe our session and um, gave some really good ideas and tweaks around how we can you know we can support that that idea around challenging getting them to challenge each other uh, and I think that's something really mm. important about, you know, if you're a facilitator, it, it you know, you can follow the programme, but actually it's about getting them to ask each other those questions yeah. that really gets them to think outside the box sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I thought that was really good feedback. And that's something that, um, that my colleague and I, we, mm. you know, Dan and I mm. um, implemented after that. Yeah, I think I think as a facilitator, one of the things you've got to remember is you're offering something that they may not be getting in school. Mm -hmm. So they may be in schools that don't have a tradition of, of yeah. action inquiry or a practitioner inquiry in the schools. Mentors may not feel very skilled um, at supporting that. And so, you know, the facilitators, we have an opportunity with a program like this. Any school which is part of a full induction program with us has the access to well-trained facilitators who really understand the program, who are passionate about inquiry as a method of professional learning. So it's actually it's quite a big thing to 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 take that into mm. to, to ECTs and to mentors and to and mm. and as you say, maybe disturb them a little bit, you know, challenge them a little bit. Um, uh, Each other's devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. Well, curious friend. Curious, yeah, yeah. curious. <laughs> One thing that I thought was really powerful that we'll definitely do next year as well is that joint session early on. So the where the mentor and the ECT work yeah. together on that first inquiry question. And I think you know, everyone felt at that point, well, we don't we haven't been through this, we don't quite know what we're doing. And we felt had risky, didn't it they? did felt risky. And yeah. some ECTs and mentors felt overwhelmed in that first half term. They felt they needed to do everything, you know, the mm. full cycle, uh, you know, grapple with each of the teacher standards, you know, the whole module in six weeks as well as work out all the new class names and you know work out where the books are and get the shape of their new classroom sorted etc and actually I think well, this year we'll be able to support them through that a lot better in terms of managing those expectations because it was a lot of kind of myth busting was required wasn't it I think exactly yeah. practitioner can be a bit like Marmite <laughs> yeah. we don't challenge those misconceptions because mm -hmm. it can be completely the transformational experience you're describing in your schools but if people do have those misconceptions that they've somehow got to write a big long essay or they've got mm. to cover everything in in six weeks, then it does become a burden to workload. And 
And I think so part of the role of a facilitator and induction tutor, and we also want our mentors to do it, is to be challenging those misconceptions and making sure that practitioner inquiry is something that supports workload in the sense that actually it shouldn't be an addition. ECT should be using it to address a problem of practice they already have. You know, how do I motivate these three nine Three year nine students that I've got to motivate. Yeah. Well, it's it's a methodology you mm. can apply to help you solve problems you already have, not an addition. And I mm. think that messaging is hugely important. It's a way of um growing, you know, it's a, a model of professional learning or a um I'm trying to get the word a mindset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That kind of inquiry mindset, isn't it? Yeah. And that's once people start to understand that rather than it's a thing to do, but it's an approach to your practice and your learning becomes very powerful and that's why it's so helpful isn't it to go through it three times yeah. you know because you you know like anything we're repeating it aren't we and practicing it and getting better actually at the inquiry process in itself and one of the things the materials does really well is support them to think about the process and you know, there's those review questions mm-hmm. which encourage them to think very carefully about what did you learn about the process of inquiry from last module how is that going to shape your inquiry this half term yeah um which is key and we're really lucky because a lot of um, beginning teachers coming through having experienced that model of professional Absolutely, learning yeah. within their initial teacher education so you know those on the UCL PDC will say you know we've done this before those school um, studies yeah, yeah that's yeah, it yeah. and it's great if they've got those positive experiences yeah. hopefully and then they're applying it within a new context and then you'll have people like you said psycho who, who just naturally go on to do another inquiry as they go into the third year of teaching mm-hmm. <laughs> and you never, you never even prompted them to do it but that's that's why they think that they have to learn and continue to learn that way i think like, it's really important and like you said um my mentors were really overwhelmed and so were my ects when they first started and it was about sitting down and decoding for them what does this mean um on the ground what is it all about why are you doing it um and oh it's another thing another layer that they're asking us to do to qualify and it was like no actually there is deep rooted meaning to what we're asking you to do um and then when they'd gone through it the excitement of oh my god this is the value of doing something like this and this is actually a skill and i'm going to take this forward and i'm going to develop um and and having them then talk to the new ECT ones that are going into ECT, becoming ECT twos, yes. to kind of demystify it for them yes. um, and say to them, we were there and we know how hard it can be. Um, and the programme is set up beautifully mm. to go back and mm. um, review the questions and give them opportunities to think about the process. Mm. It's not just a, you have to do it and then move on to do this. It's, it is developmental. It's, it's not just discrete. Um, and but you do as an induction tutor have to create that culture in your yes. school. It, it, it doesn't. But very soon, especially if you've got so many ECTs mm-hmm. as you have, Laurie, very soon you're going to have uh, ECTs from two or three years ago mm-hmm. being your mentors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that's happening next year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How exciting is that? Yeah. And, <laughs> and what's what's so exciting is that they are excited. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. told them, by the way, we'd love you to be a, a mentor. And honestly, that's sort of beaming. Oh, this is brilliant. I get to yeah. be on the other side. And now that I'm at the programme. And that's right. um, no, it's, it's, it's been really nice to see that. So you must have some favourite questions that, have, that some of your ECTs have been doing. Uh, 
So they presented them to you or they maybe because they're just really good questions or because of the impact you could see it had on those individuals or on others in the school? For me, probably because um, this one in particular, because I work um, closely with um, this teacher, amazing teacher, French and Spanish teacher. He and I share a year 13 class, but his inquiry wasn't around year 13. Um, really, it was around sort of year it was year nine. Um, but he, he's a fellow language teacher. And his question was, to what extent does providing students with a choice of support, improve progress and motivation in writing tasks. Now, he presented to the language department, the faculty, and it was just such a pleasure to sit there and, and listen. And, and he prepared this PowerPoint and and um, it, it was it was very, very interesting to see how the impact that that's had as a result. So as a result of that, he and I have been given an activity, a task to do as game time. We've got to create a poster uh, looking at the different milestones to reach. So as a motivator for students who, you know, to want to get to a certain level in their writing, be really clear on how to progress in writing through the different stages. And it immediately reminded me of the UCL, the picture where you've got the sort of the road yes. um, and the different... Uh, map. Absolutely. So, I've, you know, we're going to go in and create something with those different <laughs> milestones of writing, sort of gives those students, you know, and I, uh, because it's all around motivation in the end. I mean, that, that was essentially the outcome of, mm. of his um, piece was, you know, was the fact that we needed to increase motivation uh, in our language learners so that they feel motivated to, to write in, in French It's or really nice that he's focused on motivation as well because that can sometimes get lost yeah I think when, mm. when uh, ECTs are applying the framework mm. they sometimes forget about motivation mm. and, and how important it is so I'm really pleased that one of your ECTs has looked at that and I love the way that you got a piece of homework from <laughs> <laughs> Um, my one is around, uh, I've got two that actually struck a chord. Um, one was with one of my English teachers and she's been struggling with um, providing opportunities that engage and help students to retain things in their long term memory, specifically to send students. Um, and she focused on how effective are three discourse markers to help three specific students um, in, in her English lessons, because it was something that she was struggling with and she wanted to develop for herself. Um, and as she went through the process and, and tweaked it and looked at the student's work and then realised it wasn't successful and then tweaked it again, um, you could really see her confidence developing as the students showed that they were um, really engaging with what she was doing for them um, and she was using these three discourse markers and how she was using them and applying them and how their work was being transformed. So you saw her feeling more confident in her practice and the students being more confident in what they were doing. So it, it, it almost became a mutual relationship of, well, this is actually quite good because I'm helping you and I'm helping myself. And and um, she's now going to use it whole department and introduce it whole department. So that was quite positive. Um, the second one was about the retrieval questions in improving student grades. And he he really struggled at the beginning with his inquiry question. He he wanted to do something whole school. <laughs> it was just like, no, in your classroom, in your practice. Um, very ambitious in terms of what you wanted to achieve. I was like, one thing that you can take away, that you can change that will make your practice better. Um, and now he's gone through um, creating all these retrieval, these different types of grids and, and looking at um, the most effective way of engaging students and, and seeing how students can actually make progress through these activities. And he's introducing them to start in September across the whole department. So that's his he's implementing that um and again it, it, it's he was very against doing this inquiry project he was like, oh the, he, this is you know another thing that they're asking us to do we're jumping through hoops blah blah and I was like no I don't think you are let's give it a go 
and he's my best advocate for it right now um and i i had him speak to staff and i had him speak to other other members of of um the lp team and the, and the leadership team and and he was really engaging them and i thought oh my gosh i would i wish i could have go back in time and give you a hologram of yourself speaking right now so yeah those were those were the two things that particularly started think out we for need me. to get him into the staff room it's really interesting that he started off so reluctant but has now become an advocate of it and probably speaks to the impact of suddenly realizing that you can develop yeah. and you can have an influence mm -hmm. on others and how nice for an ECT to be able to influence the rest of their department and have that voice mm -hmm. so many things to talk about but I'm conscious that you all have to get back to your busy school lives so mm -hmm. we have a tradition for the staff room that when we get to the, the end of our conversations we hand you all a uh, post-it note here you are and on that post-it note you can write anything you want and you can stick that post-it note anywhere you want so you might decide to stick the post-it note on mark's desk when he's writing the content or my desk or uh in the toilets of a school on an ect's desk wherever you like so it's like can i start with you what would you put on your post-it note and where would you stick it um start small um start small don't be afraid um and be ready to challenge i think and where would you so stick it in front of my desk and every ect's desk oh. <laughs> so note to yourself note to myself mm. note to my mentors note to my ect's and then keep and keep reminding them that it is you can start really really small especially as at the program you know i can be ambitious for the program but it's the small things it's the statutory things it's are all the key things in place right now i want to be ambitious what can i do next all right what do you want to achieve in your ect year let's start small and do it as a mentor what do you want to achieve start small so it's that kind of a reminder um yeah that's what i'd say so start small yeah a good reminder uh lara mine would say share 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 <laughs> your inquiry I think yeah. that is, you know, they get to the end of the second year, they've done all this work around inquiry and they've learned a lot from it and we could all learn from them. And I think this is yeah. absolutely essential that we learn from them, our departments learn from them. And so, yes, yeah, so it's a big, big share and that share would go everywhere around the school, obviously on my desk as well, just a reminder to my, you know, to, to me to, to make sure that they are sharing uh, uh, with their departments and with the school, but but yeah, it would be absolutely everywhere. That's good. That's a nice easy word to put on the post. <laughs> Memorable. Yeah. Tessa, I think mine would be for head teachers and school leaders, and I'd be thinking about um, recognizing the, an investment in early career teacher development is actually an investment in, in in transforming professional cultures within their school. So we've heard today, haven't we, about the way these inquiry projects are spilling out into lead practitioner impacts, you know, being shared at a department level. We've talked about ECTs being excited about becoming mentors. So we can see the way that actually a programme designed for early career teachers is having a transformative effect on those cultures within schools. And when we think about recruitment and retention of our um, of, of, of a brilliant workforce, actually this programme is having that impact um, has the potential to have the impact at every level. Yep. Oh wow! So we actually have a bell. So, <laughs> um, and that, that's that's telling us we that we need to get out. Even the Mulberry and Bigland Green Centre has its own bell. Who who would have known it? Yeah. Yep. Um, look, it's been inspirational for us. It's very unusual for us to be able to go in 
uh, to actual teachers and not have this virtual ECF stuff. And so we're really, really delighted. To, uh, so thank you, Saika. Thank you, Lara. Thank you, Tessa, for the time you've given us uh, today. And uh, we look forward to the next conference you organised for us. Mm -hmm. so we'll, sure. we'll be sure to come. And thank but you for your contributions today. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. You were listening to Tessa Blair, Deputy Director of the East London Teaching School Hub, Lara Boyer, Induction Tutor at Mulberry Academy Shoreditch, and Seika Zeynep, Induction Tutor at Central Foundation School for Girls in Tower Hamlets. Lara and Seika are also facilitators on our ECF programme. We thank them for inviting us into their staff room and sharing a coffee with us. Please do get in touch with us if you'd like to talk to us about your ECF experience. We especially want to hear from a range of voices. And lastly, we hope you'll join us next time for a biscuit and a chat with another colleague in the ECF staff room. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this IOE podcast. 